This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest solution to web design around. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and use the offer code IGN for 10% off your order. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. PlayStation. Beyond. 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 We did this horribly wrong. <laughs> I'm out of I, don't, I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. This is horrible. All right, welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 395. Oh. I am Max oh. Scoville. Joining me today, out of order because of pageantry, Jared Petty. Hi, I'm pageantress. Talmadge Blevins. Hello. And returning, the prodigal son... Andrew Goldfarb. Yay! Hey. People Greg, you look different. Golf claps. Yeah. Golf claps. yeah. You, Greg lost a lot of weight. I got <laughs> I got traded off a of team fat. Yeah. I got really nervous the first time I met Max. I, it was mm. new, and I was just, the first thing, I, I stuck my hand out, and I just said, hello, replacement Greg. And that was what mm. came out of my mouth. So that was a, a good start there. I cried the first time I met Max. Really? You cried? <laughs> you bring that up all the time. Why it's, did you it's cry? Weird. Right. Why yeah. did you cry? Uh, we were in a bar. I moved you after a pretty bad breakup. Uh, and uh, I was like, Was it with Altano. Max? It was with Max, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Altana brought me out to a bar to meet people and started crying. Was that the first time we'd met? Wow. Yeah, that was like 2011. That was like August 2011. I thought we'd hung out before then. And then and then you brought that up like, I don't know if I that like was... I like bringing it up a lot. It yeah. was, I mean, <laughs> I don't think it's, I like I like you. I don't think it's awkward, but I think it's yeah. really funny that you still bring that up. And I'm like, all right. I just, I just want people to know about it. You're a for, sensitive fellow. Yeah, for a while I, I, would, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I, I was for a while I was uh, I was hassling you because you went and worked at a video game company that was uh, partially <laughs> responsible for Duke Nukem Forever. So and you you went to work there after that came out, but I still blame you. Now hold on, wow. I thought you were just on vacation. I was on a long vacation in, in Texas. Yeah. What, what's a what's a long vacation in Texas like? Hot. Okay. And right. quiet. Yeah. And uh, there's not a lot of crime. Huh. There, there are, we were talking about guns in Texas, and uh, yeah, there's not a lot of crime the, in Texas, like in Waco in, right now. Okay, well, in my particular area, there was not a lot of crime, and there are um, folks have guns; they eat a lot. Yeah, there's wow. lots of queso, lots of Tex-Mex. Mm. Okay, um, do they ever eat it with their guns? Do they ever? Is it like Probably. a dipper? That sounds like okay. unsafe. The gun spoon yeah. is a yeah. popular. Did you? They had that gun lighter. Why not a gun spoon? As, like as seen on TV, you know, but with a gun and a spoon. Did uh-huh. you purchase Makes any sense. firearms while you were in Texas? I did not. Yeah, I did not purchase any firearms. I married but into I a. Some. I married into a firearms family, and my father-in-law just keeps giving me guns. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, so this slowly growing arsenal of deadly weaponry. Huh. He's not uh, like starting a militia or anything, is he? No, no, he just collects guns, and he likes to share that with me. And I grew up around guns. I mean, I was a I was a Boy Scout and grew up in a. A, a, like farm area in the mountains and learn to shoot and stuff. So I don't mind it. But I'm glad uh, this podcast hasn't changed at all. We're just talking about whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. I, I grew up around queso, as you yeah, can tell. What What is this thing you have? What is that? I have a special letter or something here to share with everybody. I have not opened this up yet. It is still sealed. It is for Talmadge Blevins at IGN PlayStation 2. So this may have been stuck in uh, our mail uh, room for about 15 years oh now. Oh my God. Uh, that's true. Uh, it has uh, pancakes on the stamp. It's from Breakfastarian headquarters. That's why it has pancakes on the stamp. Now, what are the Breakfastarians? Is that like a really strange, obscure sect I, of Christianity? I think or? they're like Rastafarians who eat a lot of 
pancakes. Are you thinking it's maybe like a like a, a subsect of the pastafarians? Yeah, yeah, it might the be. Pasta- but, <laughs> breakfastarians, the, the flying pancake yeah. monster or something. Yeah, yeah I don't know what a bre- we actually uh, we tried to Google breakfastarian headquarters and nothing came up on Google. So that worries me even more as to what okay. this could possibly be. I'm well, hoping we not tracked yeah. on the internet. But let's open let's open this up all. for uh, IGM PlayStation Two. So you know it has to be something important at all this right, point. What we have here. Open it up. What's Special inside? reveal. Good I'm a little bit scared. Hermetically sealed. A little too. Let's see. It starts out. Oh, there's an egg in the shape of a heart. This is so adorable. Okay, that's that's lovely. Adorable. Okay. okay. Join the movement as breakfastarians. We believe in having breakfast anytime, especially for dinner. I agree with that. I concur. No, that's good. Yeah. Uh, please help us gain more breakfast acceptance by sharing our message with the world. Wear this pin proudly and remember: <laughs> see the light, eat breakfast at night. Expected. And it. You know what? I was really expecting a kind of a better graphical treatment here yeah, mm-hmm. maybe than just, just the egg on the heart that yeah a great pin. it yeah. just says go breakfastarian okay I yeah don't... i was kind of hoping for the last playstation 2 game like secretly right. lost in a wall so i'm very yeah, sad I I love well, addressed to floor three I, it's like everything about it, it got is, here yeah. they have a, the only thing that makes me like not completely terrified of this i guess i'm scared of old male uh-huh. I don't know. I, I just I think I just figured that out just now. Like that I got it really I got really it? nervous by the thought of getting mail from a long time ago. Yeah, I don't well, think this is like actually old. I think they right? just have me on a list for some reason okay. under IGN yeah. PlayStation it's 2. Just, but with the address, like you said, we have had some weird packages delivered. We actually had a uh, package one time. Now, this was years ago at the old office. But it said, Fran Mirabella III, uh, care of IGN Entertainment. Or, or actually, I think it might have said, care of Fran Mirabella III, at Fran Mirabella the Third Boulevard. And, <laughs> Are you and sure Fran didn't just write no, that to himself? No, it was amazing. And, okay. and actually, it got delivered simply because I think maybe the uh, post office guy was a stalker of Fran Mirabella the Third. Maybe he's okay. Mark Nix's dad. So we, why what? why are you scared of old mail, Max? I don't know, but I'm really reassured that they do have a Twitter link on there. Oh, yeah. okay. Which is oh. that makes them that much more modern. So which you is can just breakfastarians. This okay. was not paid for yeah. at all. You can go to gobreakfastarian.org. org. Okay. This was not a paid. See the dot org wouldn't no. have put my mind at ease because I was like, that's a that's an uncommon. It's the serial killer domain. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Why not breakfastarian dot egg? Uh-huh. Mm. Why could they, have, they could have done? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Make so this is a PlayStation now. podcast. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, this um, came from PlayStation Two, so it's on topic. Have okay. you been to podcast? Have you introduced who you are, what you do here? Um, you know, I've never been on Beyond. I, just, I want people to understand. Yeah, Tal, you're you're a boss. So. Yeah, yeah the I, bosses, bosses. I have been at IGN for almost 18 years now. Uh, I started back in '98 uh, when IGN we were basically uh, just writing on stone tablets. Okay. Um, and we would send those out to everybody. We would send everybody breakfastarian buttons. Nice. Okay. So that what comes around goes around. So if anybody uh, listening gets mad at this for getting off topic, it's because you, you can talk about whatever you want. Yeah, Pretty exactly. much. We yeah. have no right to stop you. Yeah, you're trying was to like, I have to be in a meeting. And I was like, Tell, he's trying yeah. to weasel out of this. But yeah, I'm, I'm the publisher here. Yeah, okay. I'm the publisher, and I've, and I've been, uh, I was an editor, started as an editor on the site, uh, was editor in chief for a while, uh, and, but now the publisher, had cool. the content. Really wow. Good. Well, here we are. Um, oh, and by the way, Brian and Marty are well. Brian's in, on his honeymoon, and Marty's at Judges Week, which is like the opposite of a honeymoon. Yeah, uh, we got some stuff to talk about. House. Yeah. Oh, you're staying in his empty home. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. how is that? It's really nice. Yeah. Can you tell us some some dirt? Can you tell us some secrets? It's, it's clean. It's very clean. Have There's you gone? A, he has a one corner with all his like video game stuff, and then the rest of it is just like a very nice, pleasant apartment. Yeah, Brian's a very like he's he likes to keep it a secret, but he's very type A. Like, he's very very neat, and he's kind of fussy in really weird ways. But you'll <laughs> mm-hmm. only see it occasionally. But most of the time, he's like, "Yo, I'm wearing sunglasses inside. <laughs> Let's have a pizza. Brap, brap, I'm cleaning. Yeah, 
Do you ever I like, like rap music and rolling my sleeves up? You know, and you're like, all right, that's funny. But then he'll be like, ah, oh, that food fell on the floor. <laughs> Don't eat that. That's that's awful. Um, so they released the most underwhelming teaser for the new Doom. Yeah, and by they I mean Bethesda. We've got we li- literally. It's like one second. Yeah, I don't know if it's. I mean, is, do, you, do you consider it underwhelming, or you just consider it just so short that you just? I don't. I saw it, and I just can't really feel. I wasn't underwhelmed or overwhelmed or anything. I, I didn't feel much emotion at all. I was if like, you're well, that's there. Reveal an 11 second teaser trailer that shows one second of anything. I was going to say it was only it was only 11 seconds because they had like the. The, the Peggy beforehand, yep. and then they had the logo. For yeah, a they long might time. as well have called it an animated screenshot. I yeah. mean, that's that's really more. It was like first Doom screenshot that happens to move. It would be really fun to take other trailers and condense them down to just like one second of footage. I like oh. that idea. Ah. The, the micro trailers. Yeah, yeah I just it's like yeah, we. I, that's one of those instances where if they're going to be that stingy with assets, then just put out an image mm-hmm. that yeah. works fine. But uh, I nonetheless. Uh, it'd be, I wonder if there's more drops though, right? I, I wonder if they'll do more and then they'll piece together into one big thing before E3 or something like that. It's like frames, just gradually, like yeah. you get a little more motion of a little skeleton guy every time. Right. Yeah. I like that. All right, I'm good with that. I mean, I think the game, like the footage they did at QuakeCon, everyone really liked. They, like it was super well received. And um, I know, like those two seconds, I'm like, oh, that looks like Doom. And like in a positive way. Like, yeah. So, I don't know. I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see it. I, I'm surprised. Like that's like crazy that they still haven't. They showed like a lot of footage of QuakeCon that still isn't out there at all, yeah. and that never happens in twenty four or twenty fifteen years. Did ago. you see it, Andrew? No, I was no. Well, okay, I, was I knew if you're there or not. But I wasn't at the part. Did, at that part, I can't remember. We haven't seen a whole lot from Bethesda uh, recently, so I mean, this E three yeah. should be pretty big with them, especially because they're doing a whole press conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to show, show show some stuff off. It looks like from what we saw here today, and I'm excited about it. I mean, the, you know, the, I think it was Jeremy Parrish said once that uh, the three video games your grandma's heard of are Pac Man, Mario, and Doom. Uh, and that's this is a big deal. This is gaming royalty. I mean, if you've never read Masters of Doom, it's one of the best books on video game culture uh, that, that's been written thus far. I really recommend you do. It's a fascinating story, but it changed our industry in fundamental ways. Changed what we thought computers were capable of. Changed what we thought game design studios should be capable of. Laid the groundwork for everything from Oculus to the collapse of Ion Storm. It's a really big deal. So all the stuff around the game is really interesting. And Doom itself and Doom Two as well are game design masterpieces. They're mm-hmm. some of the finest video games I've ever played in a lifetime of, of enjoying the hobby. Yeah, it's like, it's it's the same thing that Mario did, but with guns and Satan. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Heavy metal and, yeah, shooting guys in the there face. Was a, there's yep. a little bit of Satan in Mario. Oh, yeah. where was the well, Satan in Mario? I mean, it's a lot of red, right? You gotta play okay. Doctor Strange. Okay, Going into dark tubes and things like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think, come on. Yeah, you go you go fight the guy with the horns at the end, he's in a yeah. place full of fire. Okay, that works out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your, your Dark Lord is in another castle. Miyamoto <laughs> did make a game with Satan in it. Devil World's got Satan in it. Like that, That's a Miyamoto game. Okay. Yeah. He made I, a Popeye, too, I, didn't he? I, I you ever played Devil World? Yeah. Satanist games. No, no. I, really, that, you, Devil World is like you versus Satan. It's like Pac-Man versus Satan. Have you ever considered game. breakfastarianism? Uh, I, 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 listen, I eat six meals a day, and three of them are, are breakfast. So, yeah, I'm very Hobbit-like. Also, fuzzy feet. The end. Let's right. talk about uh, Doom. Yeah, what makes Doom Doom? What is like Doom Three came out and that was what twelve years in the making, mm-hmm. something like that, and <laughs> yeah. it was generally sort of good, but also kind of underwhelming. It did it kind of missed the mark. It was kind of like uh, <laughs> any of the Mortal Kombat entries between 
four and eight, basically, you know? Mm-hmm. It was a lot of that, you know, what made that design so good years ago doesn't necessarily hold up these days, right? It's a lot of monster closets, right? Yeah. It's a lot of, you can kind of tell where they're going to come out because when you round a corner, you kind of get a sense of, okay, there's something that's going to open up there and the creature's going to come out. Like, what do you guys want out of Doom? Like, if you, you were going to get a new Doom, like, what do you want What see? I want is, is what I think works so well in the original that's mostly lost to game design today. You said, you know, can you go back to it? I don't know, but uh, speed. Uh, what I love about Doom is speed, which does not translate well to a console controller. I mean, one of the reasons that that shooters have become relatively slow and clutchy is because there's only so much you can do with analogs. Mice and keyboards are just faster. That doesn't make them better. This isn't some kind of a PC mastery thing. It's just different. And Doom harnessed that control mechanism better than anything else. I've played Doom on Xbox Live, for example, and, and it still plays pretty well. Uh, but that sense of speed is what I'd like to see. I'd like to find them to find a way to cross-platform, make everything feel fast, responsive, twitchy, like you're in perfect control of what's happening. Uh, you know, People talked about how the new Call of Duty Advanced Warfare was almost quake-like in its speed. Um, yeah, almost quake-like. I want something that reminds me of what it's like just to fly around a level, blazing weapons, good level design, lots of different places to go, non-linear paths. Uh, that, that's well, all works in That's in what I wonder about, you know, with... With, with Doom, like Doom has traditionally been a pretty linear game, right? Are we going to see that same kind of design coming up in the new one? You bring up Quake, and that is really a game that I think about when I think about really fast shooter action. But that's all about the multiplayer, too, right? And playing against humans. Yeah. Uh, you know, what we've seen out of Doom traditionally is this linear design. It, it is something that is very much uh, uh, going down a creepy hallway. Great atmosphere, great effects, things like that, right? I expect to see that out of Doom, but I mean, I'm not sure if they're going to mess too much with the formula, because then would it really be Doom? But then would that formula really work these days, too? Do you think of Doom as a a linear game? Because I I remember a lot of backtracking, a lot of key carding, a lot of finding secrets. Um, Do you you feel the Doom's still pretty linear? I I felt it was a a really linear game, although, yeah, you go back in the the same level. I mean, it's still a very linear shooter in that you're very confined in in one space. There's definitely that, yeah. And you also mentioned the single player, but don't forget that Doom's the game that really introduced Deathmatch to the masses. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the game that the term was coined for Doom. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and for me, uh, Doom was very much that. It was a game of blowing your friends away in a way that you've never been able to do in a video game before. Whatever else they capture, I think that's going to be a vital part of it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I don't know. I, I grew up playing Doom on my friend's computer and later on my own computer when my mom would leave me alone unattended, you know. Uh, and I, it's got this kind of, I, I'm tied it to Mortal Kombat because it's got this same, like, almost archetypal what do 13 year olds think is right. really cool mm-hmm. and it's just bloody ch- chainsaws on, on and satan and guts and okay. just explosions and stuff like that i mean you've got the the bfg it's just it's something kind of inherently just really really stupid but also really glorious mm-hmm. and it's uh i don't know i i hope that i hope they manage to recapture that and i think the speed really ties in with that because it almost like for for three they kind of almost drew more from a survival horror yeah approach yeah. whereas the original was like it was you were trying to survive, and it was there was horror, but it was much more like just it was run and gun. You know? Yeah, you could not shoot and use your flashlight at the same time in three. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that right there, that slowed the game down really, tremendously. Too, really, too, for me, Doom is is a lot about the iconic sound effects as mm-hmm. well. So, really thinking about you know sound design in, in this day and age. Um, they always are able to create this really great atmosphere with those games, right? So I am really looking forward to seeing it at, at E3, just to see what it's out there. I have to say, my days of really liking linear shooters are kind of past me. I, mm-hmm. I, I like bigger experiences now. I like something that maybe has a, a, a big of a bit of a more mature story that I can get into. Um, but yeah, but we'll, but I'm very curious to see how Doom is actually going to pan out. And like you're saying, like the tease today was it it didn't it was neither underwhelming or overwhelming anything for me. I felt no emotion at all because I was like, okay, there's like 
a brief half second glimpse of this creature. Mm-hmm. There was a skeleton with guns that that you know that's always a good thing. I, I can't think of a time that a skeleton with a gun has been a bad thing. Um, uh, even Mr. Bones' little skeleton guy was okay. But yeah, do read Masters of Doom if you haven't. Uh, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful treatise on uh, how video games got made and get made today. Cool. Um, Doom. Doom. <laughs> Goldfarb, I want to talk to you about something. You you Uh-oh. left games covering games mm-hmm. to go work on making games. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. And now I'm back. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting to see things from the other side. I think, uh, holy crap, I learned a lot about like what a developer is versus a publisher and how some of the business stuff works. And I think it's Did you really... not know the difference between a developer and a publisher when you <laughs> worked at IGN before, <laughs> I mean, Andrew? I, I did, but I don't think to the extent that I do now. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes, though, I did. Tal, God. Uh, no, I mean, I think, honestly, I, yeah, I learned a lot, I think. Um, and some of those lessons will maybe apply to my job here. Mm-hmm. That's good. At IGN. Well, I have to say, like, everything that goes into game development, it's it's something I think that a lot of people on the journalism side don't necessarily get, right? And I right. think having that perspective now, uh, super valuable to the process. Yeah. Because game development is freaking hard and, yeah. and yep. you know, and intricate. And there are a lot more people working on a single project than you would actually think. I mean, there are hundreds of people that touch a project. I mean, Anthony yep. Birch wrote this great bit for Kotaku pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Did you work with him at all? Mm-hmm. Was he there? Yeah. And he's, like, he wrote about how up until working at Gearbox, he was, like, writing, you know, snarky comments about, oh, like, this game could be better. And he's like, well, people who make games frequently know that. They are aware of it, you know, and it's... Yeah, it's that weird boat, right, where having seen it from the other side, it's like, yeah, a lot of work does go into it. But I think it's also important to, now that I've returned to this side, which I guess is kind of atypical, but, like, being back on this side, you also have to separate yourself from that, right? Because, like, yeah, like, a lot of people can work on something, but that doesn't mean it gets a pass, you know? Sure. Like, you still, mm-hmm. like, the, a job as a critic is still to, like, take into account, like, okay, like, this isn't, you know, what it could have been. But, yeah, I mean, I think it is crazy how many people you can see, like, eight people working on a single texture for a single door or whatever. Like, and I think you do, I understand more about, like, the different disciplines and, kind of what goes into, you know, from concept to actual execution. Like, there are a lot more steps than I think I would have understood previously. Well, I think, too, just the average person, they think about um, games and movies kind of similarly. And, you know, games actually have a three, five, seven-year time to really develop. You can really get a movie out in probably, you know, 18 months to two years, depending on, on uh, how intricate and the effects are and everything. Um, but really, like, making a game is just so much bigger in time. I mean, you literally are creating this project out of nothing. You can't just go out and film people, well, unless you're like Jordan Mechner back in the day, and uh, and make a game around that. Uh, but you can't just go out and film people, um, you know, just with a great story. Like, there's a lot of, of technical aspects that go into it, and I just don't think the, the average gamer out there, and sometimes not even a lot of journalists, understand uh, all the intricacies that go into that. Yeah, I would agree with And that. then it's a business. What? I mean, it is a business. They yeah. need to make money. And I was more, you know, I wasn't actually making content for games so i think like i saw it from this weird like well then why are we outsider but also <laughs> insider perspective yeah actually i'm just kidding i wrote all of that <laughs> no um i think it's really interesting there though and i think um gearbox especially like they there are a lot of incredibly incredibly talented people there it was really cool game to see them even like simple things like just watching people mess one less now am i right yeah well. so what surprised you andrew uh, you know when you came into it just like wow what really did this go i never thought of that before um, I mean, I again, I don't think it's any one specific okay. thing, but I, I think in general, it's the kind of looking at like, oh, there's an entire department for this, you know, mm-hmm. like, whereas I might have just, you know, assumed like, oh, like, that door doesn't open in that cutscene, they got to patch that, that's probably mm-hmm. easy. And then it's like, nope, that goes into a lot of different things, you know, and like understanding like tool sets and understanding that it's like, 
I don't know what I thought game development was. I don't know if mm-hmm. I thought it was just people dragging and dropping, you know, stickers into a whatever. <laughs> it's a yeah. it's a more fleshed out Mario Paint suite. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly. But seriously, There's like three then, cat noises now. Like I play <laughs> pinball construction set. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's just like RPG Maker. Yeah. Um, no, but I think it's really interesting when you see like, oh, there's like a very unique tool set for this thing, and like like the just every single piece that goes into like understanding like how to use an engine and like every like timing things and just I don't know it's just really fascinating watching them work let me flip this on you Andrew oh uh oh why do you gotta make that weird yeah. hand gesture with your I was just in Hawaii oh, so. okay. <laughs> uh, what do you think game devs don't understand about the journo side about the media side because mm. you, you've seen both sides of it now I'm sure some things came up I think it's actually funny that there there really is this um weird perception that it, it's like a lot of the stuff you and, and this isn't really like your box specifically it's just from talking to various devs at events and stuff but I, I think there is occasionally that perception of like oh like so like do like game reviewers ever get paid off and like is like the stuff I read on NeoGAF true because like you have to understand like a lot of people are viewing this from the outside mm-hmm. or they will see a game get a really bad review and think there's some kind of personal vendetta or think it's like oh like I guess they should have had a nicer press event or whatever like I, I do I was shocked talking to a lot of people on that side who do think that way and granted God, that's a small percentage. And sure. They're mm-hmm. incredible, incredible people. And a lot of people go from press to the dev side, so they understand it. But uh, as far as, like, things that surprise me, when I would occasionally hear someone say something like that, I was like, wow, like, people really think that happens, huh? Um, but, no, I, I think also, like, it's uh, that that idea of just people don't really understand, like, when you're going to an E3 or whatever, like, you might see, like, 20 games in a row in a single day or whatever. And if, if you're game number three, like, you have to stand out. And I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, from that side, it was really interesting seeing people kind of wrap their heads around that. And, like, because you get so focused in on, okay, like, we're making this game and we have to tell people about it. And, like, we're going to, you know, try and, like, drive, like, sales of this game. But you have to remember that, like, it has to stand out against right. that many other things. And I think uh, people lose sight of, like, just how busy a lot of the games press is. That makes a lot of sense, losing touch with the ecosystem around them. Yeah. It's, yep. What about uh, what about all the stories about just how hard people work? Is it all true? I mean, it depends, right? It depends on timing. Yeah, I think uh, like Gearbox actually has some really good producers who mm-hmm. made sure that like the, you know, people weren't going too crazy. But yeah, I, I mean, like sure, I think any dev has crunch, and you know, I don't know. It's uh, the, I I think like seeing just my tiny little window of the industry, right? Like obviously I was at one dev, but I think those guys all work really hard. But I think you know, there's like healthy balances and stuff, and. Mangerbox has like so many cool like benefits and food and like all this cool stuff that they. Sorry, your snacks okay. aren't good enough for you. I know we you have rub we, it in now, Andrew. Uh, we have Bagel Day. That's true. Is yeah. Bagel Day still a thing? Oh yeah, oh, still yeah. Day. Every Wednesday, hmm. Bagel Day. Oh. Uh, I think it's also worth noting that everywhere, everywhere is different, just in terms of basic structure, because that's what happens when you get a bunch of human beings to try and collaborate on something. You're going to have yeah. different personalities who operate in different fashions. But even beyond that, like. Beyond. I always love the yeah beyond. Uh, I always love the, the the title producer. Doesn't it? It's it's not that it doesn't mean anything. It, it's that it means so many different things. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, where it's like I always kind of equate it to like saying you're a model, and there's this <laughs> preconceived notion where you say like oh yeah I'm a producer. You're like you have this kind of weird oh so it's like Jerry Bruckheimer, where you're like right. oh I'm a model. It's like what do you model? I model. Uh, Elderly swimwear for Sears print catalogs, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just you can you can be that that unsexy that's one, or, you know, yeah. really. Um, yeah, I, I think producer. So like that's the problem, right? I think a lot of people 
understand roles in film in a way they don't in games, and they think that a producer for a film is the same thing as a producer mm-hmm. in games, and yeah. that's not true. And I think even even you know like leads of various departments and like what a creative director does at mm-hmm. one studio versus another. Like I think like there's just a lot of interesting differences in in the actual roles on a on a team, and especially you know I was in a studio with 250 plus people. Like obviously on a game being made by six people, it's very different. So. Yeah, imagine so. What's a producer do? Um, I mean, think of it more like a project manager, right? It's somebody okay. who just makes sure everyone's hitting deadlines and makes sure that, you know, responsibilities are, are being tasked appropriately and things like that. And Spreadsheets again, I mean, and timers. Changes per studio, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it is. It's like, yeah. it's a, a lot of Task organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, speaking of big, huge games. Oh. Um, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <sighs> Assassin's Creed Syndicate got revealed. Yay. Uh, with a very kind of odd, uh, odd little... Very self-aware statement from Ubisoft. Yeah, and they did, they did, did the uh, the video the other day, and it starts out with you know, hey, we're Ubisoft, and the people who work here love making games, and here we are in our studio making some games, and Ubisoft gives us all kinds of freedom to make the kind of games we want, and we can try new things, and then just flash, 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 bad review for Unity, bad review for Unity, bad review for Unity up on the screen, including ours, and uh, they are worth comment from that review anyway, and they're like, uh, yeah. So we tried some new things and it didn't work out. We'll get it right this time, guys. We're sorry and we promise we'll be fun this time. And that was a very interesting piece of damage control that I appreciated. Yeah, um, I, th- I thought it was very refreshing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did too. I, I totally – I love it when companies are honest or at least just try to be a little bit genuine. You know, mm-hmm. just, well, yeah. that, just acknowledging that they're not in a vacuum, just – yeah, it's well, and for an annualized franchise, it's really important to recognize when you do make a misstep because mm-hmm. it's like if you know, like I think it's cool that this one doesn't have co-op. I actually think yeah. that's like something that that, in my opinion, anyway, I think people probably liked it, but like I don't think it needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's important, like when you're iterating every single year, like realize what didn't work and move on from it. Yeah. I love it. I, I go back to those uh, over a decade ago. Hardee's came out with these commercials, just like our hamburgers suck. So we're making new hamburgers that are good. Uh, and that's what they did. They just went on television and said, our food is bad. Has Domino's we're gotten, going to really that. gotten any better? I still I, haven't had Domino's. I haven't had Domino's, so, so I don't know. Uh, I, Sega did the same thing with uh, with the uh, Sega Dreamcast uh, when it came out. They're just like, we're so sorry, guys, really. It was too late, unfortunately. It's a brilliant ad campaign if you're watching them. But, yeah, somebody comes to you and says, yeah, we recognize that we put something in front of you you didn't want. We're sorry. We're going to make it right. And they also said, hey, it's a room full of people that love making video games. And that's true. You don't go work for a game studio for the most part if you don't want to. And it's exactly what we were just talking about. There are people behind it, right? It's yeah. not like a bunch of – it's not like an algorithm that cranks out a game, right? There are people there making it. And, yeah. yeah. And, and also, like we said, like they're so, they're aware of this. They knew that the game wasn't that great when it came out. They knew they were – you know, if they had more some more time – to fix some things that they could have gotten it to a better point. But it's great that they're now acknowledging it, that saying, hey, you know what? We're aware of these things and we admit our missteps and we're going to make sure that they don't happen again. Now, let's hope they follow through with that. Right. Uh, let's yeah. hope they certainly have enough time. But it, but it is a good message at least to have to have now. But it's so, good. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that being said, I, I like Syndicate, I feel like I'm just – I'm really kind of exhausted by Assassin's Creed and mm-hmm. I've, let, I've let myself get excited – so many times, You've and been fooled before. Yeah, and it just becomes this thing where I like I don't I I don't even want to, you know I, I just want to. Like every other one is good for me. Like I wasn't a big fan of one, but I really like two, three. I didn't really care for, but four was you know Black Sails was really good. Um, so I'm hoping now that we have another you know full release coming out that this one will be a really good one. They're like Star Trek movies now. They're just the even is. even numbered ones are good. Yeah, that's uh, exactly. not, that, uh, maybe I um. Yeah, I, I'm not crazy about annualized franchises of any kind. I think it's a good idea to let people rest 
uh, and let ideas rest so that you can have a little time to reflect on them as an industry changes. But um, as that goes, you know, there's a there's a Batman gun now and there's GTA mechanics for stealing carriages and running over people with them. And there's, you know, Sherlock Holmes stuff going on. And I get to use and apparently a female protagonist. Yeah, there's a female protagonist, which is a really big deal. And, and there's <laughs> you know a how uh, difficult that is. there's there's gas that turns your enemies yeah, against each other. And then, there, you know, and I, I get to team up with Charles Darwin and Charles Dickens to destroy evil. That's the thing. It's a it's a very nerdy but cool time period. I actually really really like that they're this setting. Um, yeah, I like I like Assassin's Creed. It's funny because like I feel like I I have just been burned out on it for a while, but not I, it, it, not because of the franchise necessarily, but more because like I just I mean I guess it is because of the franchise. Just I I played every single one leading up until. Black Flag, and then I just took a break, and now I'm ready to jump back in and be excited again, I think. Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed has always kind of had that flow through of the age of science and age of discovery, you know, kind of thing with Leonardo da Vinci being, and you know, with, with all these great inventors and thinkers uh, as being part of the storyline. So it is interesting to, to go to Victorian England and... and See you know what the world's going to be. Like and in there. that presentation, they kept using the terms "fun, fun, fun." And you, you've both heard about Black Flag now. I mean, Black Flag is the Assassin's Creed that doesn't care about Templars and assassins. It's just about let's go be a freaking pirate. Everyone loves it. Yeah, and everyone loves it. Well, they showed a lot of Black Flag footage before they revealed Syndicate, and they said that word "fun" over and over yep. and over and over. And so maybe they're hoping to. You know, be like, oh, yeah, but that one you liked, we're going to go that. Again, is that messaging? Because the fact is, is, let's not let them completely off the hook. They also released Unity when they did. Yep. And uh, that also says something about uh, what goes into the production. That is of. the problem with annualized titles. There, yeah. I can't really think of any off the top of my head of, of anyone where they've said, you know what, we're not going to do it this year. Because, uh, well, maybe actually, you know, uh, didn't EA skip a NBA Live? Was that? I don't know. They yeah, did. they skipped know. an NBA and they skipped Because the, um, they released one and it wasn't very, you know, very good. Didn't they skip a battlefield year somewhere in there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I guess there are a few examples. But the reality is, for the most part, they're on set release schedules, and they have to make money for their quarterlies because they're mostly public companies, and uh, and they don't want to move these annualized titles. But that's the thing about game development, too. If something's not done, like, you're shipping an unfinished product at that point. So, Mm -hmm. Well, it's also not like it's only a one-year dev cycle. Like, I mean, they have multiple studios. Of course. Like, they have, you know, now Toronto and Montreal are splitting the stuff. Same thing with, like, Call of Duty. There's, like, what, four studios now that are actively, you know, trading back and forth on three-year cycles. Like, I think it allows them to learn from mistakes, which is really good. But yeah, I mean, obviously they're beholden to, yep, we have to hit this fiscal year and we have to come yeah. out of this I'm also a huge proponent, though, of, of holding the game. If you're, push push it back, push a release date back. Mm-hmm. And again, it's harder to do with annualized titles, but push a release date back if it's gonna make a, a better product in the end. Because I would much rather wait six months to have a really fantastic, fleshed out, well-made game that I can really play and then having a buggy piece of crap. You yep. know, one of those comes out tomorrow. The uh, Witcher Three, yeah, Wild Hunt, shiny. Uh, have they pushed that one back? And I'm have, glad. Have you been playing this? You've been playing this. I have, you want to want to talk about I've, this? I've only played a little bit of it so far. Uh, I did actually play it on my vacation in Hawaii. I was sitting there in Maui watching the beach and playing my PS4 uh, because that's hate just you. how much of a nerd I am. <laughs> um, uh, but no, it was, so far I'm having a lot of fun with it. I my favorite part is that I have a horse named Roach. Uh, I, now I just want to buy a horse and, and call him Roach in real so life. So here's a little piece of trivia from the world of The Witcher. Uh, Geralt actually just names every horse he gets he Roach. Roach. No, yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. Which I think is I think is a lovely lovely touch. You know, my horse Roach. No, which was more colorful, Tal, the beach at Maui or the game? Uh, because one of my, one of the things that just grabbed me about Witcher Three is that it's a naturalistic game. It's an outdoor game, but unlike games that that are produced in the West like that, which usually tend to focus on kind of darker color schemes, that game's just 
bursting with with, with there was color. Much better grass physics in the game than there was in Maui. Okay, Not much ma- uh, grass movement in Maui, but in the game, uh, the grass looks absolutely beautiful. Uh, no, I just love too that now having a Witcher, having played uh, one on the PC and having played uh, two on the consoles, mm-hmm. you know, they were a little bit more linear experiences, smaller closed areas as well. Although they they felt yeah. pretty big, but this you see it in the distance, you can go anywhere. So it's it's great to be able to have this big open world where again you jump on your horse and you're able to just ride off in the distance. Um, it's just something that's that's new for that kind of Witcher setup. I, it kind of reminded me a lot of uh, obviously Dragon Age, which yeah. I played a lot of this past fall. But um, honestly, even even bigger because still Dragon Age, some of the areas felt like little small vignettes within right. this bigger world. Mm-hmm. Right? There, there seems to be kind of all. Yeah, I see him riding around there on Roach, and it's almost of a, a, a Legend of Zelda with with bare breasts kind of uh, kind of vibe. I keep getting from it. I uh, did. Did you guys play Witcher two? Um, yeah. No. Okay. So, I which I, I played one Witcher. second about Witcher game. Okay. So, Witcher two, I, I did the guide for from one up back in in the olden days, and just fell in love with the game uh, because it's one of the very few video games uh, I've ever played where the choices you make make a huge difference, difference in the world and what yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. Like yep. not not just a difference, but just a tremendous. I mean, there are, you, there is a vast chunk of Witcher two that you will not see. If you make certain choices, yep. and vice versa, and this one wonder- affect politics, and you can affect. Oh yeah, you, you play through one scenario, game. and and you, it's not even clear exactly where the forks are always, and you find yourself on one side of this vast, morally ambiguous war, and you play through the second time, and you make some other choices, and you're on the other side of the same war, and the people that were all your allies the time before are your dire enemies, and you hate them, but yet you mm-hmm. worked with them once before, so now you know they're actually all pretty decent people, or most of them, and and it's a really good and the. Are we allowed to spoil Witcher Two here or not? I don't um, know. Is it too early? Which, which, no, you can you can you can talk about Witcher Two. It's yeah. never Spo- been on PlayStation, so spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, spoiler alert for for Witcher Two. But the final boss battle of Witcher Two is is my favorite in any video game ever because when you by the time you you've been chasing this guy the whole game the whole and he's just made your life miserable. You chase him and you chase him and you chase him and when you finally catch up with him, you've discovered through the course of twenty hours of play, actually he was kind of a victim of the whole thing too. He was kind of being used. He was just trying to survive. And yeah, he did all this stuff, but he wasn't really vindictive about it. And you find him, and you do, again, in the course of the conversation, and it's not just like a binary choice. You have the option to just kind of talk it out with him and be like, we really have no reason to hate each other anymore. Shake hands and walk away and have no final climactic boss battle. Or you can have that big final thing. Yeah, or you can kill him and have the big standard video game moment. But, I mean, they were brave enough to just be like, no, there will be no climax to this game. Well, that shows a tremendous amount of faith in their their product that they would have, that they would bury half their game on behind a choice. You know, like you cannot see the entirety of the game unless you, like that you could not have something that is more, less of a linear experience and that you have to retread. Like you have to backtrack the entire game, basically. Yep. That's half a game there that you, have to replay to get to. Well, that's what I think too. I really like a lot of the choices that you make in The Witcher because just the lore and the world itself, it, it is so um, gray. It's not black and white at all. I mean, you are basically uh, a, a hero, but you're an anti-hero as well, right? You are a mercenary. You work for money. You don't do a lot of things for free because although you go up and clean up problems if a monster comes into town, you got to get paid for that. That's mm-hmm. your job, you know? Uh, so it's not just like you're this shining you know, knight in, in armor. You're this kind of grizzled uh, old, mean uh, mutant that nobody really likes either, and you know you're going around uh, 
uh, make it a paycheck. But really at the same time, you're not like cloud strifing your way through up your own butt either. I mean, it's not like, oh, I'm obviously such an anti-hero. You know, there's not that element mm-hmm. either. It's no, really... it, it's like well, it, that's it, actually a line of dialogue. In well, <laughs> for Final Fantasy VII, yeah, I think well, so. Honestly, uh, so. So many games are like hero villain. Like this is much more real world yeah, to me yeah. in the terms of the way yeah. the story plays out because people have a lot of different shades with it within themselves. Yeah. No, the reality is that it, there are rarely yes, no, good, bad. You know black white answers to things it's like a lot of times both parties are sort of wrong but with their own valid you know opinions on things yeah. and i the witchers it's, it's it's so frustrating to see stuff that doesn't do that after seeing the witcher kind of nail it mm-hmm. right well it reminds me a lot of game of thrones right because mm-hmm. there are characters in game of thrones you can absolutely hate and who do horrible things but you understand why they're doing them you yeah. understand their motives you get it because it's like the real world right yeah there are, there are a lot of people in this world like andrew who does horrible things no you don't do horrible oh things. my so good to have andrew. you back oh. day one and already it's started already doing horrible things uh, yeah the only thing it's funny because listening to this it's like the closest thing i can even think of is like new vegas because mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. new vegas you can yep. completely determine the end like I mean, you really can just not have a fight at the dam, yep. depending on yeah. what you chose. But um, I mean, that sounds like a barely right. scratching the surface. And you can, yeah, like totally this. change the politics in that game too, yeah. right? You and yeah. I love New Vegas. I actually, in some ways, think it's better than Fallout Three. Um, huh. But this sounds like, like I'm going to play Witcher Three. I mean, I it's such a deep world that I feel weird going into it blind and not having played Witcher One. I was going to say, but, so um, somebody who who has predominantly been a, a PlayStation gamer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you feel about this series finally coming to the PlayStation? I mean, it looks gorgeous. I mean, since that first trailer, God, that was like you're, that was when I still worked here. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you I work here, here today, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> when I worked here the first time. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's gorgeous, and I'm excited for it. And I like that choice system, and I like kind of the mechanics I've seen in it. Like, I think everything I I watch about it interests me. Um, and obviously, the reviews have been really good. Uh, I just, I don't know. I I tend to be scared away by a world with that much mythology that yeah. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's kind of daunting to step into, hey, this is the third installment of a story-rich series. Good luck. And I, I think, like, I hope they make it accessible. Um, I, I think it is fairly accessible. I do find it, the the world, it's not, even though it's a fantasy world, it's not traditional fantasy either, right? There sure. are some some different things in the world. Like, you have different weapons for different kinds of creatures and you have to get down your silver sword versus your regular sword for example um, but they're going to do know, a pretty good job of teaching you that stuff and yeah, and, 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 and one nice bit is that spells are a little different right than... but Carol's but story is kind of built on the amnesia clause anyway so that helps there's only sure. so much you have to know about that past yeah. and for more go to IGN.com's wikis <laughs> and check out Witcher in 5 Minutes uh, where you can learn the entire story of Witcher 1 and 2 uh, well also I mean it's funny because Witcher 1 and 2 are both they're they're sequels with the amnesia clause built in. Yeah. But they're sequels to five five books, books yeah. one book of short stories, some comics, and then a TV movie. Right, the yeah. TV series. Like there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of other stuff out there and the guys at C D Project Red have said that they're they're building three to be really it's okay if you haven't played the other stuff, just mm-hmm. jump right in. You kinda have to you know, pick it up as you go along. But yeah, I mean, it yeah. wasn't a series that I knew about before the first game came out. Mm-hmm. But I actually uh, did read the books because I really got interested in the in the lore. Uh, and you know, in in Poland, it's a really popular yeah. series. I played I played two when it came to 360, which was sort of a mistake. Um, I played mm. it initially on there, and I just didn't get it. I was like, what? I don't I don't know what's happening, and it definitely and that's what I heard. That's it throws you kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, and like. Two is a pretty rigid game in terms of, especially on on, on a console, because the loading screens are 
very unforgiving. Right. It's yeah. incredibly tedious. That was made for PC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I remember uh, hearing that at the time. I remember people saying, like, oh, it doesn't run that well in 360, and it's really hard to understand, and it's, like, a very, I don't know, like, yeah. and that and, has and, turned me off. And combat can be tedious if you yeah. haven't played the first one. You kind of get got to get down your rolls and your dodges. I mean, yeah. it's not a straight combat system. You, no, have, uh, to, you have to play strategically. Especially early in the game, a couple of guys are a real threat. Like, yeah. two enemies are a real threat in Witcher 2. It's also the, uh, the only video game I've ever played in a Cracker Barrel. Um, so there's a, there's a little bit of an anecdotal Witcher Two joy. The restaurant, not an actual yeah, barrel in, full of in crackers. Yeah, in the restaurant. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Uh, I just pictured you eating crackers with like a barrel. And I don't know why suspenders. I decided to share that, but right. um, <laughs> it just popped into my head. Excuse me just one moment while we take a brief word from our sponsor. Whether you guys are trying to create a blog, website, or an online store, Squarespace is the easiest solution with an easy-to-use interface, gorgeous templates, and handy 24-7 customer service from actual human beings. Squarespace is the smartest and simplest way to stake your claim to your own little corner of the internet. Are you trying to break into the games industry? Because Squarespace can be used to make a great-looking portfolio, whether you're an aspiring developer or member of the media. Head over to squarespace.com for a free trial today and use the offer code IGN at checkout to get 10% off your order. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Okay, so um, next subject. On the subject of games based on books and so forth, um, we got a letter from someone named Steven who said, Hello, Max, Marty, Brian, Jared. Mostly incorrect. <laughs> Tal, Andrew, they spelled your names wrong. Um, <laughs> Uh, in episode 393, someone brought up what would be your dream hybrid. It got me thinking in mind. My mind drifted instead into what my dream project would be and who I'd want to do it. I don't know if you've heard of this, but there was a sci-fi short story turned point and click called I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. The story was written by a guy named Harlan Ellison. It is an extremely dark tale on post-apocalyptic man versus machine narrative. If you haven't heard about it, check it out if you can. This is something that immediately jumps to the forefront of my brain every time I play a Telltale game and would love to see them bring this dark narrative to this generation of games. Finally, my question to all of you is, if you could choose any developer out there to make your dream project, who and what would you choose? I, work. I yeah. grabbed this out of the mailbag because he brought up I Have No Mouth and I Must mm -hmm. Scream. And I, the, the story, the game, I was just like, <gasps> Steven... You are a kindred spirit. Um, no, I, have you guys ever played it? Um, it's on I, good old... No? I never had a chance to play it. It's on good old games now, uh, which means it'll run on any PC or Mac. So run out, spend the six bucks, and grab it. It's worth it. It's one. When people talk about mature games, this is an actual attempt to make a genuinely mature game. Uh, a game about uh, uh, themes of, of what, what goes inside human minds, what makes us who we are, what, what's broken inside us, and whether or not it's possible to repair that. It's a really wonderful game. Um, so... I, I just think that's rad. As for games we'd like to see, I don't know what you guys got. Who would make it and what? Um, this, I guess this is kind of a cliche boring answer, but God, I would love to see the Dark Tower done really, really well. Um, mm -hmm. And honestly, like looking at Witcher footage, I can almost see CD Projekt Red doing something really oh. interesting with it, like just making it a gigantic, sprawling world. Um, but man, do I love that series of books. And well, I mean, the early ones, I think that it kind of gets off the rails. Yeah, but it stays good. Anyway, I digress. Um, I really like Dark Tower. Uh, and yeah, I would love to see somebody tackle it. So, like a, I don't know, any like big open world dev. You weren't satisfied by uh, Roland Gilead showing up in Mortal Kombat? No. No. That was, um, uh, yeah, I, I want more Dark Tower in general, TV yeah. show, movie. Totally. This Max to do a one-man show adaptation. I I just started thinking, I'm like, man, what do I, what do I like? And my, my favorite book is probably William Gibson's Virtual Light, which is like kind of post-cyberpunk set in futuristic San Francisco. And I was like, who would I want to do that? And I was like, hmm, who could really just nail that kind of book to game? And I was like, CD Projekt Red. And then, oh, right, they're doing Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> yeah, so totally. there's that. Um, I think the one thing I'm wary about is what we've seen of that game so far is it looks like it's very much kind of playing to the kind of uh, 
kind of neuromancer world of cyberpunk, which is which mm-hmm. is cool, but it's also kind of like it's is that on good old games? It's, by the way? it's neuromancer? just that one teaser, right? I don't yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, but it's it's uh, it's like dated. It's what is it? Paleo futurism at this point. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a future that we know doesn't isn't going to happen. Doesn't happen that way, you know. Whereas I think that um, Virtual Light came out in in 1993, and it's incredibly like it could. It's very close to right now. Like you've got you've got cyber terrorists swatting people. You've got virtual reality goggles. You've got uh, weird. I mean, a lot of cyber terrorism, and then there's also just kind of a lot of weird like class stuff happening in in the bay area yep homelessness oh i you had i read this recently on your on your recommendation i hadn't read virtual light and i i was floored it's cool Uh, it's it's like well this is haunting yeah Uh, it's really on point so i mean something like that would be cool um really i just i just want i want smart cyberpunk that's not just you get cool robot arms and i mean deus ex is yeah Yeah. like i want like i want stuff that addresses the kind of the sociopolitical more like weird cultural side mm-hmm. of things rather than just the the cool stuff. I mean, I want yeah. games in general to do that. Like, I would yeah. love if games examined sociopolitical themes more often. Like, I, I feel like you so rarely, I mean, it's like, I guess, like, Bioshock is the go-to, but it's mm-hmm. like you very rarely get people looking at anything bigger than, like, oh, this is the plot, and this is what happens to this character. Yeah. Uh, well, while we're on that, then, I'll jump down, I'll run down that road a little bit. I um, Mine would probably be uh, A Mind Forever Voyaging, which is actually already a video game, but it's a text adventure, and therefore inaccessible to many people. And you talk about sociopolitical games. It's a game where you play as an AI. Have you ever, any of you ever played it? Played okay, it you played it, yeah. I mean, the, one of the masterpieces of game storytelling. You're an AI in a South Dakota laboratory uh, working with a human scientist, and your job is to try to predict the future and see if there's a way to turn America from a gradual cultural and political decline that it's experiencing. And you keep jumping ahead inside yourself in this simulation farther and farther, trying to find a point in history that you can pivot what's happening on. And it is brilliant. Uh, hmm. Did you enjoy it, Tal? I, 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 from... You know, this is what dates us mm-hmm. uh, for after playing it, what, 20, 20 25 years ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember very little about the game, but mm-hmm. I had it on my Apple. An old Infocom game, right? Okay. Yeah, it's an old Infocom yeah. game, and it is it is glorious. It's also very difficult. or not, It's not hard to play. It's just long. Anyway, I'd like to see somebody, like, maybe the not just necessarily a studio, but grab some of the guys that gave the original Bioshock, especially the first half, It's Heart and Soul. Uh, and make that game with them. Mm, Maybe yeah. not as a, you know not as a text, but as an interactive experience of some kind. And I think those guys could really give that uh, the treatment it deserves. Uh, yeah, just I mean, get... it's, it's amazing. That's the best thing about the collapse of Irrational is that like, there's this incredible pool of talent that's been spread out all across the industry. Yeah. Yep. So I want to get those guys together into a pool. Or I just want to take all the guys from Raven that made Jedi Knight 2 and have them make Jedi Knight 3. That'd be okay, <laughs> too. Uh, I would love to see a Game of Thrones RTS. So I would love to see an actual, like, a real-time strategy game, probably done by Creative Assembly, because I think they could do it best. Mm, uh, fascinating. With medieval Total War kind of engine. Uh, I'm sure there's probably a mod out there, even though I you know, haven't done much searching on there. Uh, but, yeah, a real Game of Thrones where your political intrigue, you're capturing, almost like Defender of the Crown. Do you remember Defender mm-hmm. the Crown? Yeah, absolutely. Capture, like, like yeah. little bits of the map and you would go through. So I can almost see it being like that, right, where you're either starting out in the north or you're starting out in King's Landing or, you know, and you're trying to capture the map and really win the Game of Thrones. But but something that has uh, maybe even some RPG elements thrown in there. Like Defender well, of the Crown. Too. Yeah, I did like that totally. That's a great comparison. I love that idea. I would play the heck out of that. Wow. Damn, Someone make that. We are in the weeds. We are. Um, okay, all of so those would come to PlayStation. Yeah, we have uh, we have some stuff that's coming out for PlayStation this week. Um, Jared, you wanted to talk specifically about one of these games. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that game is called. 
Terracresta? Terracresta, yeah. Forget that Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, folks. It's the Terracresta <laughs> that you want. No, uh, I was just floored when I saw this was coming out this week. Terracresta is a 1985 arcade shooter. Uh, that's a very interesting time in arcade games. It's this kind of the arcades sort of collapsed uh, around 84 for a while, really fell apart, and then they, they were reinvigorated by beat em ups, and then later really reinvigorated by fighting games. But there was this weird period where shooters were big. And this kind of came into the beginning of that. Terra Cresta is a sequel to a game called, uh, uh, oh, no, no, Terra Luna? Terra, yeah, Terra Luna. Uh, anyway, which is a kind of a simple Galaga style shooter. And Terra Cresta is one of the first. Um, one of, one of the first modern shooters with multiple options for your weapons, with boss encounters, with, with ground attack and air attack, with a little dinosaurs running underneath you and all the neat little cool things that go on in the corners of mm. like a modern bullet hell type game. It's, it's this really, it's kind of this weird stepping stone between primitive arcade games and the kind of experiences that we'd associate with 16-bit home consoles and action games. It's very colorful. It has these you know, kind of weird Phoenix effects to it, lots of interesting enemies, but at the same time, it's got this kind of throwback flat look like Xavius. It's just a fascinating and important game in the history of shooters, which in turn makes it an important game in the history of arcades. So for for a reasonable price, this is one to probably go check out if you care a lot about uh, arcade history. Also, I said Terra Luna. That's wrong. My brain just uh, broke for a second. Uh, Terra, Terra Nova? Terra Nova? Terra, no, that's Terra something. I don't remember. Terra Reed. Yeah, Terra Reed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's getting, well, I remember this. Was I right? No, no. Mooncresta. That's why I'm backwards. Mooncresta was the name of the, the game. I love that there's, gotcha. one, there's like one guy out one, there, like one, one, one listener who is just like, like, damn it, it's, No, it's bothering me because <laughs> Mooncresta. you know anything? No, Mooncresta is a really cool game because it did this neat thing with the three life system where like every one of your lives is a different spaceship with different abilities. So it's a three life arcade game, standard like structure, but every time you die and come back in, you have different abilities. Mm. Uh, so it's a kind of... So your ships actually get more and more powerful as you get closer to the end of the, as you're almost about to die. You're like, oh, it's my best ship, but it's but it's my last one. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But you've convinced me. I want to. I want to play Terra Cresta now. Yeah. So that's uh, so Terra Cresta is fun. I, do I recommend. A, do you have a price point on that? Uh, no, I don't have a price point. Here. That came in on the drop, and I I did not look Something it up because I'm a get it written down. Bad at my job. On the note. Yeah. Uh, that's coming to PS4. Uh, we've also got Aces of the Luftwaffe, um, which is about airplanes in the darkest hour for England, the Battle of Britain. There you go. That's coming to PS4 digitally. You've got Alien Shooter. Sometimes that really the that's the name. Yeah. Sinister yep. hordes of bloodthirsty aliens have infiltrated our world. Shoot them. The shoot, end. shoot man. That's coming to PS shoot, Vita. Shoot, um, shoot guy. We've got Farming Simulator 2015 coming to PS4 and PS3 in digital and retail, uh, which has brand new graphics and a brand new physics engine for that tractor. Yep. So you can, you can drift it on those amber waves of grain. Work. Hey, we're hey. in late spring. It's a good time. For Everybody loves a good tractor pull. <laughs> Do you go to any tractor pulls in Texas, Andrew? No. Do you know what those are? Uh, it's when nope. No, it's <laughs> no well, there comes something. a special time in in two tractors' lives. <laughs> they, they come together and they then they pull in other tractor. directions. No, they had this where I grew up in Carolina. They're just like there are events where people. Is it, tug of war with tractors? It's, it is actually tug of war, except you're not two tractors. It's like a tractor and then just a load, and it's like how fast and efficiently can you pull a certain amount of weight through a field. And they, they, this is a competitive sport. They also had cow bingo. That there is that too. Yeah. 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 Man, we just had bars that closed early. Oh, that's that's yeah. not a lot of fun. And no crime. And no, no and crime. No, that's fine. Very little crime. Yeah. Weird. It's also hyperdimension Neptunia U action unleashed, <laughs> which is a whirlwind of 3D hack and slash action. <laughs> that's coming to PS Vita digital and retail. Uh, then of course there's The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt coming to PS4. Yeah. Which um, yeah. I really I'm I 
have been like fritzy and angry about how much I want to play this game. Like I've been, I've been pacing. I've been like just kind of, kind of irritable and weird. I went to a, I went to a comic shop and I was just like looking around and it just was kind of like I didn't really want anything. And I went outside and I was like, my, my fiance is like, what? Are you okay? And I'm like. I just really want to play The Witcher. I've been, I've been. It's now, you're starting so, fist fights with strangers. Just despondent in general. So my like. worry with The Witcher is that as much time as I put into Dragon Age, I'm such a completionist that I want to see every single freaking thing in the game. So I feel like I'm going to have to play it two or three times and play it 200 hours a piece. So I feel like I'm going to put like 600 hours in this game. It's the that, better value. That kind of scares me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to go to E3 in a month. I played uh, I played a chunk of of Dragon Age, but it wasn't it was not fully scratching that itch for me. And I was like, I will happily play Mass Effect if it's like this, and I will definitely play The Witcher. But like the we're talking about the kind of the open worldness of The Witcher and how like you can you can jump and you can swim and you can go in things and you can explore and it's just this huge world and it just lets you loose there. And that's really that's the key thing for me that really keeps me invested in the game is that sense of exploration and, mm-hmm. and freedom and. Dragon Age sort of had it, but it also it felt like it felt like the caves were there for the enemies to be in, versus the caves being there for me to go check out and just enemies happening to it be there. It was the best mm-hmm. single player MMO I've ever played. Ooh, well put. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, so yeah, I, I I stopped kind of prematurely in that one, and I was like, I could I could sink more time into this, or I could just you know pursue other options and those other options. Yeah, I probably put about mind, a. So. 120, 130 hours into Dragon Age, so I can only expect Witcher's going to be even bigger. Yeah, I uh, I canceled plans to go to an anime convention, and then I my mom called and asked if if I I would if she, if she could come visit me and my 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 new house and my dog that I have, and I was like I can't because a video game is coming out. Wow, wow, yeah. okay. I could see yeah. the you anime convention sacrifice, but yep. blowing your mom off that just seems like yep. no, I really I really nice. want to play the freaking Witcher. House. I want to play The Witcher. We're talking about The Witcher next week. Uh, we have – should we go to this, this, last, this last question? This is a pretty good one. It's from Ryan Marshall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had any embarrassing gaming moments? For example, my dad walked in on me playing Winnie the Pooh level on – oh, the Winnie the Pooh level on Kingdom Hearts in high school. The next day, he walked in on me during the romantic lake scene in Final Fantasy X. What about that time you didn't see your yeah. mom because she wanted to play a video game? That was that's, saving me embarrassment. Of like, why are you trying to have sex with the mermaids? <laughs> why am I? Why is there a woman's butt cheeks there? There's a lot of that in The Witcher. Yeah, uh, there there are the there are many many. Uh, so many there are going to be butt cheeks. Embarrassing yeah. game moments. I'm. Is there anything that uh, that comes to your mind there? I mean, there's the you know there's the requisite thrown controllers, the kicked over television sets, the broken consoles. You know the things that we've raged on. Certainly that comes I, uh, to mind. I split my head open playing Bubsy. How? Because uh, I got so frustrated, I would just like drop backwards, like in frustration. Um, and there was a rocking chair behind me, and I slammed my head into it, and I was just like gushing blood. And oh. my mom was like walking the dog, and my sister like calmly walked outside and was like, "Oh, like Andrew split his head open." My that's amazing. Like, that's, that's freaking awful. Dude. Do you ever? Do that you ever was really embarrassing? So I'm like, well, I mean, now it's embarrassing. But back do you then, ever wonder if like maybe you died then, <laughs> right? And you, and or you just, you just, you just, this is all this is the afterlife? Yeah, all this is a Bubsy fueled fever dream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, I wonder that. Often. It could be. Yeah. Have you have you played uh, have you played the uh, Arcane Kids Bubsy 3D game that they made? Mm. That's a, that is available online for free. Arcane, is, I'm assuming you mean the studio that Dishonored. Also no, game. Arcane Kids, the different yeah. different group of oh, kids. Oh, the kids of the people who work on Dishonored. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. they never proved sense. it in court or anything, but yeah, well, there's no official paternity test. Bubsy I mean, uh, goes to the the LA County Museum of Art. Ooh, 
and then he goes to hell. Ooh. And you can play this in your browser, so go check that out. That's a really weird I game. I do that. That's um, what we need to That's fascinating. Man. It's really, it's really good. This is unofficially um, sanctioned. I, I take it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's art. It's art. It's, it's criminal. It like weird. Um, I, I think most of mine would be like uh, would involve naked people and, and adolescents, probably. Uh, what? Uh, well, yeah, what? naked people in video games. Dream? No, no, oh, no. Oh, embarrassing oh, video oh, games. Yeah. Yeah. Ideal Bubsy remake. No, no. Just, like, just. Uh, uh, yeah, you had me. Yeah, okay. No, yeah. just, uh, just okay. going out there and uh, and uh, parents and or significant others walking in at just the right moment of a of a video game. I, well, you, you know, you talk about playing out in the Cracker Barrel with something like Witcher Two. I had to play through that. Uh, and uh, you know, my wife is just constantly like, "Are you having sex again?" Like, you know, would you come into the Can room? Can you explain because... where you were playing a game in the Cracker Barrel? Well, I was playing I've, at the table. I've, I've never been at a, to a Cracker Barrel, but they don't have TVs. At they have table. tables. No, I had I had a Alienware MX11 laptop, and I was writing the writing the guide. Of course. So I was working on it there. The oh, game. Why can't you say like duh, Tal? <laughs> I mean, I've never been laptop. to a Cracker yeah. Barrel, so I'm no, not... Gillianware used to make this 11-inch screen gaming laptop thing. was no. spectacular. just wonderful. And then they stopped making the 11-inch uh, form factor. So, huh. but, uh, but anyway, my, yeah, most of my embarrassing moments, I can't think of anything particularly... Sp- uh, well, I'm thinking of plenty of things. I just don't want to share any of them. But uh, they're, they're, they're mostly that embarrassing. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll they mostly involve... Yeah, mostly involve uh, naked people in video games. I think most of mine have been... Like, my mom was never... She never liked games, you know? She always heard the bad things about them on the news and stuff mm. and I remember at one point I was like I want to I play video games and she's like but Max we don't have a VCR and I'm like oh <laughs> and now I work here suck it mom anyway you um, <laughs> and you can't come to my house yeah. <laughs> wow. but like basically uh, I remember just it was always trying to like not show her the the cliche violent stuff but then she'd like walk in and it's like I'm playing like Metal Gear Solid and we're just like putting happy faces and darts on a guard's face or <laughs> You know, yeah. naked doing cartwheels and yeah, or just setting things on fire in GTA. And I'm just like, no, it's not what it looks like. And it's like, it's less that I'm actually embarrassed about my own behavior and more that I just, I just want the video games to look good for themselves. You know, like, yeah. I wish Flower had been out when I was in, in high school. Yeah, just show it all. I'm, like, I'm just playing. I'm just the win, man. It's deep. It's so beautiful and deep yeah. and wonderful. Flower I, is so good. Yeah, I think mine are. are you know, I've had rage quit sessions before and things like that. And online games, I'm looking back at that. You're like, why did I? Why did I care so much about things like that? Um, one I can think of actually that happened involved somebody else here. Uh, Steve and I, when Steve lived on the East Coast, we used to play a lot of uh, Marvel together. Uh, you know, the four-player co-op game. And uh, and there was one time I, I was Captain America and he was Doctor Strange. And every time we'd uh, bust open and get some focus, I would take his focus because we were killing everything. It's like we never died in that game anyway. And he got so mad one night. He was like screaming in the microphone. He was like, why are you stealing my focus? You don't need it. You're Captain America. Why are you stealing my focus? And he literally just rage quit. And I was like us and two other friends. And we just started laughing, like thinking he was going to come back. And we then found out like five minutes later he was very serious. Heard from him the next day that he went and told his wife. He was like, I can't believe, you know, he's stealing my focus. What is he doing to me? You know, why is he doing that? And she's like, this is just what you guys do to each other. You both do this to each other all the time. You just egg each other on to see like how far you can push it, and finally just caused him to rage quit. So that was an embarrassing moment for Steve, who's not even here to defend himself. <laughs> That's but, a good one. Yeah, and I, I think, and, I, and this was only like done. you know, yeah, about seven eight years ago. So. Not too long ago, we were both adult men with. That's, wives. that's, that's adorable, <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. That's it's kind of wonderful. Well, semi-adult I, men with wives, I guess. I, I did think of, of one more, uh, and that's any time I've ever played Rock Band with anybody. Oh, um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. There you I, go. Yeah, I have the manual dexterity of Stephen Hawking, 
and every rock band session goes like this. Jared, come on and play with us. We no, I really don't want. To. Come on, come on, we'll have fun. I'm not any good. Oh, you're fine. And about 10 to 15 minutes later, me being shown the door. And that's how it goes every time. Just a pile of broken instruments. <laughs> yeah, and yeah just angry people. The and they're just yeah. like, go, Jared, leave. And um, that's like, yeah. we're better without. Well, I'm glad yep. they stopped making those games forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. um, we have one last thing. We have the Essential 50. Tal, you brought a game with you. I did, my Essential 50. And we're not sure because Marty's not here. Everything's kind of gone to crap. Yes. Yeah. Wow. This, this week. <laughs> uh, just in terms of planning. So we're not sure where the list actually is. We're not sure uh, if Shadow of the Colossus is actually on the list. The consensus seems to be that it's not yet, and that would definitely be uh, in my essential 50. It's one of those things like it, it seems like one of those ones that we'd be like, is this on the list? Yeah, of course. Of course it and is. And then we just yeah, move but on. then you said no. So I, I, I'm going to roll with it still. Yeah. So to me, I mean, that game to me so much reminded me of how games used to be in that there wasn't a lot of narrative. You were just kind of thrown into this world. Yes. And you just started running around and exploring, right? Mm -hmm. And to me, what I started doing instantly is I'm creating my own stories in my head. Why am I here? What am I doing? Why do I have to go run over and take down this big bad guy? What What is this guy's you know backstory? Where did I get this cool horse? Mm -hmm. uh, again, games with horses, I must really like them. Uh, but to me, you know, games back in the day, it was because of the limitation of memory, right? You couldn't put a lot of, you could do a lot of text, but you couldn't do a lot of voice. You couldn't do a huge amount of narrative because you didn't want to slow down the game itself. You wanted the game to be fun. Um, so, you know, it really was, in, and we've talked about this before, games like XCOM, where you would yeah. play the original XCOM, and you made a whole backstory in your head yes. about what's going on, right? Oh. I did kind of the same thing in Shadow of the Colossus, and it really was an experience for me, and it, and it felt really emotional and impactful, uh, what was going on in that world. And not to give away too many spoilers, but, like, your perception of that world changed very drastically from when you first start playing that game to where you, you know, to halfway through the game to where you end up in that game. And it really is just one of those things that made me, again, remember of the beauty and the magic of, of games when I was younger and, um, and, and really, you know, showed me again that there's a lot of artistry that goes into really good video game making. Yeah. 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 It's one of very few, it's that very small pile of very special like journeys in there and, and maybe a few others that it's just like, it, yeah, it is like as lame as it sounds, it's an emotional experience to play mm -hmm. through it. Like you get something out of it that transcends what you would normally get out of just like, hey, I'm going to sit down and play with the controller for a little while. Like it actually mm -hmm. is meaningful. Yeah, I think a big part of it also, I, I love what you're saying about just, it's the, the brevity is the soul of wit. The show don't tell approach where it, the the game is the game is explaining everything to you itself, you know. And this, this is what I've absolutely hated about modern Zelda games, is that there's so much exposition and so much yeah. like world building that the world isn't doing for itself. When yeah. you've got a six hour tutorial, it's like you're not you're not just free in the world, you know. It's and you know, there's some games I, that you I know mean, you can see the same thing in great movie making as well, like Mad Max Fury yep. Road, not to give away anything in that either. But like, there's so much Don't of the story it. going on in a visual sense, I mean, and not just through the narrative. No. Same with the rest of well, us. Well, yeah. th think about Dark, Dark Souls does the same thing. I mean, From's very good at this. They'll, yeah. they'll take the take the environment and let the environment tell the story, and so much so much of it's going on in your head, and it's a it's a beautiful thing. And there there are times. I mean, you say new Zelda games are frustrating. Old Zelda games did a pretty good job of this, just kind of letting you go out there and yeah. find a neat world and figure out what was out there. And yeah. Why is that turtle I, shooting cannonballs at me? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I'm gonna kill it. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, or I'll, or I'll make up my own story, and you know. I'll 
have a humorous little anecdote to talk to my friend about. And then we're actually talking about games and we're saying different things like, hey, did you get to this part where this happened? Yeah, I did that. You know, what, like, do, what I really do you think there were more horses. And, I just yeah. horses. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but it creates conversation amongst your friends, too, instead of, again, playing the exact same linear experience where everybody's yeah. just like, oh, yep, did that, did that, did that. Right. You have different stories to tell. Yeah. And you're actually making up the world partially in your head as well, which I think is a great device for imagination. Yeah. Chris Kohler from Wired says that we're human beings are storytelling creatures and that one of the things that he liked about games say like GTA was that you'd go out and you'd make something happen that had never quite happened to anybody else and then you go to your buddy that night and tell him your story uh, this thing that happened in that world you were walking around in that day and they tell mm-hmm. theirs Shadow of the Colossus does that but it, it does it with a, a fidelity and, and beauty that's uh, that's almost unparalleled in the medium I, I think that this is kind of one of those shoe-ins to the Essential 50 yeah. Yeah, a, a game that uh, defines PlayStation as, as a great place to go play games. I'll, cool. s- I'll say mechanically, could have been a little bit tighter. Um, but again, I, I think you, you kind of you lose yourself in that world so easily that to me, it's it's just a beautiful experience to... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Just then the mechanics didn't bother me. I think playing the HD one, I you know maybe it didn't age as well as I would have expected control-wise, but I think like yeah. back in the day, it never upset me at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with Andrew on that one. It chugged it also, you know. But again, the I, camera just, was kind of yeah. I was, but I, I feel like that that's um, it's almost like uh, a, a criticizing Technicolor uh, in an old movie mm-hmm. uh, yep. at this point. Yeah. All right. Accepted. Beautiful. Done. On that note, Bing. Uh, if you guys want to write in, it is beyond at ign.com. We get emails. Beyond. Ask us about uh, ask uh, ask uh, Goldfarb about his uh, various other Bubsy related injuries. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. There are many. Each episode, I'll come back. <laughs> the and the I'll many talk trials about of Bubsy, Bubsy related injury. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. I'm Max Scoville. Jared, you are Petty, comma Jared. I am indeed C O M M A. Tal, you are Tal underscore ign. Is that Just right? Tal ign. Just Tal ign. Like Taline. To line. Like, like a line with a T in front. I like that. Tal IGN. Yes. I, I, and I, you can't spell Tal IGN without IGN. Goldfarb, what are correct. you? I'm Garfep. Garfep. Uh, G-A-R-F-E-P. I once called you Garfield. A lot of people do. Yeah, because yeah. it's because you garf and then Goldfarb. I don't know. I like it. I, like it. You're, I you, hate Mondays. Yeah. I yeah. love lasagna. There we go. There That's go. good. I, yeah. Beautiful. It's better than Garfap. Definitely. What's your middle name? Garf. Ryan. My name's Andrew Ryan. Andrew Ryan. All right. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening. And on that note, beyond. 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 Oh, that one went better.